human design is an experiment. It's mm-hmm. a way to like experiment with different ways of operating and see what works for you. And so I think to have that resource that you can always draw from is so helpful. Welcome back. You're listening to Let It Out with me. I'm your host, Katie Delbout. This week, we have a live podcast episode that I recorded last week at the Assemblage in New York City, Nomad area, Manhattan. Really cool space. I hope to do more live podcasts there. It was so cozy. You could even lie down on pillows. It was lit by candlelight. And I had a great time talking to today's guest, Erin Claire, about partnership and creativity and relationships and style and human design and following our intuition and trying to be a person in the world. I'm so enamored by Erin. You'll hear my relationship to her and me gush about her in this episode, and I want to get to that as quickly as possible. Before we get to that conversation, first of all, thank you for listening. If you're new, welcome. I'm so happy you found your way here. I mentioned this last week if you listened, but I want to mention it again because I'm really proud of something I made a couple months ago with this network called Blueprint. They are this learning network where you can go. They're owned by NBC Universal, and you can go online. It's kind of like Spotify or Netflix for learning things. And I love the tactile nature of teaching you how to knit or sew or quilt, or in my case, write. They just launched these writing classes, and mine is one of them about journaling. And I'm so proud of it. It was so much fun to go to Denver and shoot this show this fall. I worked really hard on the scripts and making sure it's something that I'm really proud of and I really love. And I have this book about journaling called Let It Out, come out in 2016. But since then, I've kept up journaling and found it to be the most useful, cathartic tool in my life. And this class goes through everything I've learned since the book came out, really. And I really hope you guys check it out. You you can get a free trial and... It's, I think you'll love Blueprint and all the content on there. I got to go back to Denver a couple months ago and be with all the other hosts of different shows. And I loved all of them. I want to take all of their classes. So there's everything from cookie decorating and cooking and cake decorating and embroidery and knitting and woodworking and everything you could possibly think of. It's It's really cool. And I'm so happy that I got to be involved. And in my class, it's all these different episodes, but everything from unlocking your creativity, external journaling, which is kind of journaling about things outside of yourself, and then internal journaling, which is internally looking inward, talking to your intuition. We also have a class about getting organized with journaling, journaling for your mind and your soul, gratitude and joy, and then making it your own. So you don't have to watch this class every time you want to journal, but you can do so on your own. So anyway, I just wanted to plug that. Check it out. Let's get to this week's episode, and I will talk to you after for Likes and Learns. This episode is brought to you in part by Cured Nutrition, a holistic supplement company based in Boulder, Colorado, 
that I love. I got to meet the founders, the people behind it, and they're as great as their products. They make CBD products, and I'm sure you're probably familiar with them, but they make these nibbles and tinctures and treats that work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without worrying about the psychoactive component. And how many other companies can say that they create everything in-house with a farm-to-table business model? Not very many, I would bet. CBD is most commonly incorporated into wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, and reduce the body's stress load. The CEO actually started using Cures full-spectrum raw oil with his puppy when his puppy was having seizures. So you can even use this with your pets. You can use these products with your pets. I really love their cookie dough snack. It's my favorite and they have so many great treats. I think you guys should check out everything. Their oils are really, really great too. If you're worried about having to jump through a bunch of hoops to get your hands on cured nutrition, don't be. It's really easy. They ship legally and securely to all 50 states and my favorite products you can get at curednutrition.com. They're all there, the cookie dough, everything you could ever need. That's curednutrition.com and use the code let it out for 15% off any order. Again, that's curednutrition.com and use the code let it out for 15% off your order. And the link is in the show notes. I really love their products. I'm probably going to get a little snack right now. Thank you to all of you, including Aaron, for leaving your house today. I think that we all should get a... I, I say that at, at every talk that I Raisa comes to a lot of them, and I say that always. I, I have this line that's overused now, but I'm, I'm always honored when anyone comes to any event that I ever do because, A, we live in New York City and there's so many options every single night, and B, Netflix exists, so... You know, it's a miracle that any of us ever leave ever, much less on a night where my mom told me today it's with a wind chill, it felt like it was negative 15. So congratulations for being here. I met Aaron Claire a couple months ago. And so how many of you listen to the podcast? Cool. Thank you so much. The rest of you shame on you. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll intro myself to the couple new new people in here. So my name is Katie Dalebout and I host this podcast. I've been doing it since dinosaurs roamed the earth or 2013. It's called Let It Out. And it's these really long form, deep conversations where we talk about our feelings and we talk about things that are real and present for us. And it's the greatest thing I've ever done because I've gotten to have over 250 conversations, almost 300 now, with really inspiring, creative people like Aaron Claire. And also I've gotten to, I think podcasting is a new networking, not just through the people who have been guests on the podcast, but through the listeners of the podcast, I have met the coolest people in the world. And if I haven't met them yet... We are friends that just haven't met yet. So it's a really cool, special thing that I've that I've done. And the other thing that the podcast helps me to do is get to talk about topics that I would never have gotten to explore without my podcast. And one of those is human design. So how many of you have looked up your chart and know what your human design? Okay, great. The rest of you, 
warning. You're going to want to know your birth time and place and date of birth real quick after this. And you're going to be leaving here wanting to do some some Googling and and learn more about this intricate system called human design that we're going to talk about tonight. But like I said, I met Aaron Claire a couple months ago and I had had, I had actually, I think I told you this when we met, but I had an experience with human design years ago, maybe 2013, 2014. And it just kind of like went right over my head. I just, I wasn't in a spot to hear it. And the container wasn't something that I could really get behind. And then a couple of years later, actually just this last year in, in 2018, I had someone on the podcast named Jenna Zoe, who is a human design reader. She did a session with me and I was like, oh, I am taken by this. This is this is an intricate, interesting system. And it really, it hit me hard and it was something that was very useful to me. And then a mutual friend of ours, right after that had happened, was like, hey, I have this human design reader. She's really, really great. And I was like, well, I, you know, I'm just... I just talked to a human design reader. How could I, how could I possibly talk to another one? But I was like, sure. I think this, this system is really interesting. I would love to meet her. Like, honestly, I was just kind of like, if she's really great, then, then that'd be cool. But I, I didn't know what to expect. So I come in here for a meeting and I meet this lovely woman who is just like a light. She could be talking about trash removal. And I would be like, Huh? <laughs> She's so beautiful, so kind, so giving, so smart, and knows about human design and talks about it in such an interesting way. And what worked out really well for me is that Jenna Zoe, this other human design reader who got me back into it, talks about in such a... If anyone has listened to that episode of my podcast, today will be very different, even though we're talking about the same topic, because Aaron does it in such a different way, such a unique way, but everything I learned complemented each other in such a beautiful, like it felt like a glove, you know? And the way that Erin talks about human design, she goes into companies and uses human design as people would with StrengthsFinder or Myers-Briggs. And I'll let you talk about this more, Erin. But anyway, I was so taken by Erin as a person and as a human design reader and just as a woman who I admire and respect and look up to and want to learn from that instantly I was like, when can you do the podcast? Also, can I be your friend? I think I said that to you and we hugged and here we are. And we thought that it would be, we were going to just do this just us, but we thought it would be fun to invite you guys to eavesdrop. So we're going to chat for a while and then I definitely want to take some questions, but Erin, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into it. So you're from Seattle. Mm-hmm. What were you like as a kid? What was your childhood like? I know you're pretty close with your parents. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have one older sister who actually lives in Brooklyn. And yeah, I grew up in Seattle and outside of Seattle as well. And I think as a kid, I mean, I grew up with a very supportive family who are basically supportive of all my sort of weird interests. I really found myself as like a peacemaker growing up and just like sort of navigating all the family dynamics and just trying to like mitigate and take care of things. And so I think a lot of my early years were spent like really taking care of people. And I think it wasn't until later that I sort of stepped back and started to really kind of take care of myself and learn how to give from a more sustainable place. What did you want to be when you grew up? And what were you like into as a kid in high school? 
I mean, so many things. I think that I envisioned having like a bajillion different careers. I wanted to be like a veterinarian. I like was obsessed with cash registers. I wanted to be a cashier at some point. I was too. So weird. My yeah, parents I had got like me a, a cash register. Yeah. yeah. A real one. I don't know what I was doing oh, with wow. it. Yeah. I wanted to be a spy, an actress, a singer. So I think I just had a vision of like doing all the things. But I think that I was also just kind of in trust that it was all going to unfold. Like yeah. there wasn't a need to be like, this is what I am. And I need to identify myself with this. But it was more just like, I'm going to follow all the passions and see where it takes me. So where did you go after high school? What did you do? What led you to New York and why New York? I went to school in Providence, Rhode Island, and I studied education and social entrepreneurship there. And then I moved to New York and started working at startups in the city. Yeah. So you have this background in startups and in corporate. What was that experience like for you? And were you into wellness and holistic things and kind of witchy things that you're into now? Yeah. I mean, I think that like they always existed parallel for me. I think that I worked at a lot of amazing startups and it was like a lot of amazing people, but like the teams always felt very dysfunctional. Like people couldn't really figure out how to work together. And so I think that was what really sparked the interest in human design. And I think on the side of that, I was like, you know, doing my yoga teacher training and my Kundalini training and my Reiki. So I was exploring all the things, but I didn't quite know how to integrate them. So it felt like these two sort of separate parts of myself. And I think human design was the tool that I found that really brought those together in such a practical way. So this is still in Providence. You haven't moved to New York yet? Oh, sorry. No, I was oh, in New York. To New York. Yeah. Okay. So how do you find human design? How does that piece come in? So I discovered human design four years ago in New York City and I met this guy at a party and I kept, he was living in LA, but I kept running into him throughout the city and he introduced me to human design and like, it just resonated like so deeply on just a cellular level that I was like, I just need to know more about this. And I think like the minute the door opened, I just went all the way in. But I think honestly, what I loved about it and, you know, for those, we'll get into it for those who are new to it, but it was so practical. I think I'd explored so many systems that, that were amazing and that gave us so much information about ourselves, but human design just gives you all the tools for like how to actually use that information and like every decision you make, the way that you're communicating. And so I just saw its application in teams and relationships with family. And I was just like very eager to get it out a little bit more. Yeah. It's cool the way that you, you know, it's like one of the, that Steve Jobs quote of you can't connect the dots moving forward, only looking back and the way you articulate human design and this for teams and for companies would have never come to be if you hadn't been working in corporate. So when did you decide that you wanted to do human design and get out of the corporate world? How did you know you were ready to do that? It was honestly pretty immediate. I was first introduced to human design and I like was sitting with it for like six months. And then in those six months, I kind of let go of like all the consulting things I had and just decided I wanted to go all in. I didn't know where it was going to take me, but I had like absolute clarity. Like this was the system I had to dive into. And then that was a time where I was sort of like traveling and exploring. So I like was really, yeah. So I just like dove in pretty immediately, but truly like it was felt very much like a risk and it's had a lot of different iterations. Yeah. You know, I've, I've worked with people on human design. I've worked by myself now. So it's taken a lot of forms, but the commitment to it has been there since the first day. Wow. So you found this this system in a very serendipitous way with with meeting this this man who became your mentor. And then you were also already into, like you said, Kundalini training and you were doing all these other things. Was your family into wellness? Like what was your where did your openness to all the things that were into come from? My family was definitely not into it. 
I honestly don't know where it came from. I think it was like kind of a joke that they were like, we literally don't know where you came from and like why you do what you do. But I was just honestly drawn to it from like a very young age, you know, like was seeking out meditation retreats when I was young and finding studios in Seattle. And my parents were like, what is she doing? So like, I think there was just always that pull and I don't really know where the influence came from, but I think I just had a desire to just have the most optimal experience of myself. Isn't that interesting? I think that for those of us who contemplate our existence and are into the assemblage, listen to my podcast, these sorts of the people here, it's like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and and we can talk about this more when we get into human design of like the people who are into self-help and growing are like actually pretty fucking great, you know, but we just need a lot of reminders of that. And we think we need to grow and grow and grow, but reminding, and that's what I love about human design. It kind of allows you to be who you are instead of constantly trying to mold who you are to something else. Have you found that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think more than anything, human design just gives people permission to be who they are. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into that then. So for the people who raise your hands for the people here, how many people have never heard of human design before? Oh, wow. That's like a lot more people who have than haven't. I guess that makes sense. But for people listening at home, since we are recording this and maybe are are new to this, how would you explain and describe human design to someone super logical not into the wellness and kundalini and green juice and just someone who you, you know, maybe taking an, an Uber ride who you just don't know anything about them. How would you explain this concept to someone who hasn't heard it before? I would say that human design really gives us access to information about ourselves that we can't really access anywhere else. So it's kind of really about our energetics. It gives each of us a blueprint of how we're uniquely wired to operate. So make decisions, communicate, process information, eat the environments we're designed to really spend time in. And I think also what I always encourage people is that like human design is not a belief system. I like, I'm never trying to convince people of anything. It's just a lens through which to look at our lives and like find a way of operating that feels like a little bit more in flow and find a little bit less resistance. So let's get in a little bit to the history or the, where it came from. Can you talk about that guy? What's his name again? Ra. Ra. Yeah, yeah. The system emerged in 1987. Um, There was this guy, Alan, initially in Montreal, and he was an advertising executive there. And he ended up just like leaving his family and was in Ibiza and had like a very mystical experience where basically one day he sort of was going back to his house and he heard a voice and the voice was like, it's time to work. And so basically for eight days and eight nights, he channeled the system and then spent the next sort of 20 years building it out. And now they're like institutions around the world, like supporting it and spreading it. So like it all came from this guy who then renamed himself Ra. And so he was really like the initial guy who received all the information. Relatively recently. Yeah. And it combines the Kabbalah and astrology and I Ching and the chakra system with quantum physics and genetics and biochemistry all into one master system. Very intricate, which makes it, you can really go down the rabbit hole, which is a projector thing and get so into it and read about it, which, which I've done, but that's fleeting. And I've really loved working with a reader like Aaron and someone who understands it so clearly and can see those patterns and help me use it to the best of, of the ability. But I asked you this when we did our session because I was talking about how to talk about this to my boyfriend who's so logical. And you were like, you know, when you, because I was like, when you go into companies and you do this to, to executives or people who 
are not into this sort of thing or just don't, or this is just unfamiliar. And they're used to Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder. That's very logical. How do you talk about this? And you said to me, I don't know if you remember this, but you were like, you answered my question. And then you also said, look, you know, Katie, there's also a level of belief that people have to have. And you articulated that really well to them. So what do you, what do you say to people when you go into companies? So I think one, people like love learning about themselves, you know? So like one, I was in a company recently where it was a team of 50 and I did readings for everybody on the team and not one person besides the two founders had heard of human design. Wow. And the readings were like 15 minutes, you know? So like I had 15 minutes with this person to just like sort of share. And the thing is I went straight into just information about themselves. Like I wasn't talking about where the system came from. They knew that they gave me their birth information, but like in a case like that, I experienced so little resistance because like what I was offering was just like, again, like information around like how they make decisions, how they can best like communicate with the people they're working with, what kind of teams they work best in. And it more just felt like a real sense of relief. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think my experience with people that are resistant to it, they might be like, I don't feel like I operate that way. And I'm like, well, how does it feel to operate this other way? And they're like, I mean, not good, but like, that's the way that I've been conditioned. And so- I think I expected a lot more skepticism when I went into companies, but I think the minute that people get to actually touch the information, it like resonates on a very deep level. Yeah. I think, like you said, people love information about themselves and people love to be seen. And this, I'll speak for myself. You read me like a book and nothing has made me feel more articulated and given me more licensing to be myself and exist in the world. And when I remember to use it, I feel so great. And then when I can't or I'm out of alignment or something happens or I'm whatever, I try to use it as much as possible. And when I don't, I, especially, I would love to talk about this, but my non-self theme and the ways that I make decisions and when I'm out of alignment, that was almost more helpful to me, the the ways to, to notice when I'm out of alignment than any of the other information that is more of the the shiny positive stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, yeah, having information about ourselves is, is never getting too attached to anything is, is bad. But I think having information about ourselves is like a net positive always. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I'd love to talk about the not self piece because that's so crucial. But I think one other aspect I'll say is that as like mystical and as much as I love to explore this stuff, it's also like pretty nuts that this guy downloaded the system. And so I think that I also have like a level of acknowledgement with people where it's not just like, okay, it's just like, this was like, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I don't understand how I get all this information from your birth, but like I do. And like, this is it. And I just feel like that like humanizes it a little bit because they're like, it is crazy, but like I'm listening, you know? So I think just like getting on the same page with people about that, because my interest in human design is like not just reaching the people that are already attracted to it and already believing in it, but like reaching the people that like would never explore Mm -hmm. this system. But like, I just think it actually has so much potential to have impact those people as well. Yeah. I mean, I love that because it's like, let's acknowledge the elephant in the room. That's like, this is weird. But all, like for me, I don't care. For me, it's just like, you tell me this, I'm going to drink this and it's going to make me feel better. And this essential oil is going to help me. Like, I don't need to know the science. But there are so many people in the world who I know who like need to know the science before they're going to like spend a bunch of money on superfoods. I'm, I'm not one of them, unfortunately, for my bank account. But I'm glad that we're acknowledging that, you know? So, okay. So let's get into... There are the four, four, five energy types, which you explained to me is kind of, is a very small piece of it. It's kind of like an astrology or sun sign. And then there are a 
ton of other things. That's a very intricate system. Mm -hmm. And you made me this beautiful 36 page document, which I'm still processing. I was actually looking at it today. It's so helpful, so useful, but I would love for you to talk about what would a good spot for us to start? I would love to give people in here an experience of this. So maybe talking about a few of the of the five energy types and maybe giving a bullet point of each and then maybe talking about something from your chart that's been helpful and then maybe something that you remember from my chart. Absolutely. As you mentioned about the rabbit hole, like there is truly endless amount of information in human design. Like I've been studying it for a while, but like it's really a lifelong study. But like honestly, there are a few key pieces of information that really make the difference. And the rest is like fun to know and helpful as you explore it on the path, but it's often not quite as necessary. So at the highest level in human design, there are five different types. Basically, the majority of the population are what we call generators or manifesting generators. So two of the types. And these are basically the people that really have sort of like the energy and the life force to kind of like build and create and do things. And the most important thing for them is that they're really doing work that's deeply satisfying for them. It's like they wake up each morning with this battery and their job is to use that energy in super satisfying ways and then go to bed and wake up recharged. And so a key piece for these people is that for them, they're not designed to kind of like immediately go out and initiate an idea, but basically allow life to come to them and stimulate a response before they do. And then there are about 20% of the population are projectors. Um, so that's both Katie and me. And these are basically the people that are really here to help guide the process. Um, they're not really here to do all the doing themselves, but are just like tend to be very sensitive to energy, like are often great teachers or consultants or guides. And again, like they can really help manage and see a lot of things that other people don't. For them, the most important piece is that they're not also going out and initiating, but they're really waiting for an invitation and waiting for recognition, which is just like change the game for me. And then about 9% of the population are what we call manifestors. And these are the people that are really here to sort of like initiate and get things started. For them, the most important thing is that they really have the freedom to kind of create. They're not really here to be guided or told what to do, but really just kind of chart their own path. And the most important thing for these people is that one, that they're initiating and two, that they're really informing people of what they're going to do before they do it. Often they're going to experience resistance that they're not actually communicating. And then about 1% of the population, and I've been like meeting so many of them recently, are what we call reflectors. And these are basically these very unique beings that kind of like are a mirror for their environment. So they're taking in everything in their environment and reflecting it back. And so when you know who those people are as part of like a company or community, you really get a sense of the health of that place just by how that person is showing up. And the most important thing for them is that they're really like taking their time with decisions and really feeling into things and not feeling pressured or hurried by the people around them. When you went into that company that you did 50 charts, how many reflectors do you remember? Zero. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. But I did I did a workshop for the Knicks dancers last week, which was so fun. And there were two reflectors in like a team of 18, wow. which was so nuts. You know, I really don't see that very often. Wow. What is your experience with working with co-founders? And let's talk about like partnerships, romantic and otherwise of the different energy types and how they interact. A lot of people like want to use human design with dating apps. They're like, let's just like pair people based on design. But like, I think for me... Once you understand people's designs, like I truly believe any relationship can work if you understand and respect the mechanics and how different you are. I think often like the trouble we run into is when people expect people to be more similar than they are. And so I think in business partnerships or romantic partnerships, it's just very revealing because you basically look at like what happens when two people come together. You look at like where they trigger each other. You look at where there's harmony, their strengths, like how they can really sort of best work and collaborate together. And so I think when I sit with partners, it's just like, if it's not working, that's going to be clear pretty immediately 
immediately. And I've had co-founders like split up like a couple weeks after. And then I think, but most often it's really about just giving people tools to kind of like work with this unique person. Even my romantic partner, it's like, we're radically different. Like he's a generator. I'm a projector. If we expected each other to be similar, it'd be really hard. But now it's like, I'm like, oh, he makes decisions like this. I need a lot of time. Like he, like, I need to give him questions and things to respond to. Like he needs to invite me into things. Like he has all the energy in the world. Like I can't keep up with him. And so like, instead of making myself wrong for those things, it's more just like understanding those dynamics. So we have like a language and a framework to process those things when it comes up. And let's talk about your relationship a little bit. So you guys figured out this dance that I admire so much of this communication style and the way you interact with each other. How did you do that? And was it, how long have you guys been together? And I know it's been a a process. So how did he know about human design before you guys met? He did not. I introduced it to him. We've known each other for about five years and before, and we've been together for about two So, you know, before we were together, like the company I was with hired him, then I ended up working for him. Then we became friends Then we became like best friends. So like we've had quite a journey together and I did introduce him to human design before we started exploring. But I think that it's just really shifted things because again, I think that it just gives me like a language to understand these things that are happening between us. And like one very simple but powerful example is that I have a part in my human design where I'm like deeply emotional and I'm not designed to make decisions in the moment. And I'm always kind of riding this emotional wave and it's kind of chemical. I can't always predict when it happens. But like the most important thing is I just like ride it out and don't make decisions in the moment because like clarity is always on the other side of it. But there's these moments where I start to feel like really low and like sad and it's not always about a thing. I'm just like in my wave and like instead of it becoming like a thing where he's taking it personally, or I'm trying to explain what's happening. It's more like, okay, you're in your wave, you be in your process. Like, let's talk tomorrow, like when you're through it. And so I think that's given me a lot of permission to just kind of like feel into it and be in the process without having to like have it like interrupt the dynamic in our relationship. Yeah. I relate to that. I think, do you remember if I have that too? I think You are very open emotionally. And basically what that means is that you're taking in other people's emotions and like amplifying them all the time. Yeah. It can be very intense. Very intense. (laughs) Yeah. High highs and low lows. Let's talk a little bit about the other pieces to the puzzle of human design. Other than just the energy types, there's so much more. It's so intricate. What? Let's start here. What has been the most useful thing like as a whole for you from when you started? I'll start there. I have another question. There are three pieces. Can I okay, tell you? Yes, okay. please. What I mentioned earlier for projectors, the most important thing is that like you're recognized and invited into things. And like I had spent so much of my life like initiating and like hustling my way into things and it wasn't very fun. And so just really shifting into just like, oh, I'm just going to like hone my craft and make myself available for invitations rather than seeking it out has totally transformed the way that like my career and relationships have unfolded. I think the second piece is around the decision-making. As I mentioned, I'm not designed to make decisions in the moment. I really need to give myself time to sleep on things and like wait for clarity to come. And so like allowing myself to be in that process has been like huge because I used to have an experience where I would like say yes to something and then like wake up the next day and like not feel like it was correct for me anymore. And so just being like, oh, this feels really exciting. Like give me a couple of days to really make sure it's right has changed the game. And then the third piece is there's a part of our human design, which is they're called our shadows or potential for shadows. And these are open centers. And so like two of my biggest ones is one is like just 
as a projector, like not knowing when enough is enough and like being very overzealous and like scheduling myself from like 8am till 10pm and just like call it, just watching myself do that and know that it's like the most unsustainable thing. And my partner gets to call me out on that all the time when I do it. And then the other open center is this sense of self-worth and this need to like prove myself. And so I think it's brought a lot of awareness. So like if I'm ever doing something out of a desire to prove myself, it's so often the wrong thing. And I think before I kind of got lost in that cycle and now I just have the awareness to like check it when it happens and make sure that I'm not like letting that govern my decision-making. That one I also have. I was just reading that in the 36-page beautiful document you made me. And man, that one's hard for me to remember. I keep forgetting and remembering again and again. I wrote down promises and we were talking backstage a little bit, backstage, like literally behind us (laughs) over there about how that's not correct for me and us as projectors, can you talk about that? You touched on it a little. Yeah. For those familiar, it's with the open ego in human design. And so this one is all about a sense of self-worth. So it basically means that like our sense of self-worth and self-esteem can really vacillate where one day we might feel like feel like on top of the world and the next day we feel incredibly low and so sometimes we get caught in this cycle of like trying to prove ourselves and like overcompensating and overcommitting and making all these promises and just like this dialogue in our head that would be like keep getting better and better and better and better it's amazing to like be inspired to improve ourselves but like not when it's coming from that desire to kind of prove and so the wisdom of this one is really just not making promises, like really not doing things out of a desire to prove yourself and never having it come from that place because it becomes very unsustainable when we get lost in the cycle of self-worth. How do you do that? (laughs) I think for me, I've just like watched myself do it so often because I think whether it's in a meeting and I am saying something and I'm like, where is that actually coming from? Mm -hmm. Like, am I trying to prove something here? Or like, am I, do I actually feel to contribute? Or like, if I say yes to something someone asked me to do and like, am I doing that because like, I'm so emotionally clear that's the correct thing for me to do? Or am I doing that because like, I want to prove a thing to this person and like seem competent in this way. And so I think just like knowing that these people specifically in human design are not designed to prove themselves. And like, there are some people in human design that are designed to prove themselves, but like, we're not those people. And so I think just like, honestly, that concept itself, I've just become aware of every time that I'm trying to do it and I still do it, you know, it's like a lifelong lesson, but I just know that like, it's never really going to be the right path when like, that's where it's actually coming from. Yeah. Let's talk about the energy thing a little bit. And I know projectors need a lot of rest and generators don't, and it's, you know, navigating all that. And with you and your partner, you guys moved recently into a bigger place. So you have your own room and your own space. And you were mentioning to me that it's actually correct for you and and for me as well to spend time sleeping, not with your partner sometimes. Can you talk about that and why that is? Yeah. I always feel like this is a controversial part of human design, but I talk about it in sessions and people are just like, oh my God, I want two bedrooms. But I think, and this is true for like all types, but really, especially for projectors and reflectors and actually manifestors too, is that we take in so much when we sleep. And so if we're sleeping next to the same person every night, and especially as projectors, it becomes hard to kind of wake up as ourselves. We often wake up feeling exhausted, just like taking in all this stuff. So it's recommended that we like sleep alone at least a couple nights a week. I just started testing and playing with it. And like, I really did feel different when I woke up alone. And so I think, and like, I have a partner who for his own reason, like wants to make sure that we have our own space and that we're cultivating our own bedrooms and like our own spaces. So we just moved into a two bedroom and it's been like so amazing to just have the choice to like sleep together and be alone. So that has felt very healthy. And again, when I brought it up in sessions, I would say 90% of the time people are like, oh my God, I wish my partner would like allow that. 
my relationship like might have survived if we had had two bedrooms. Yeah. And it really is just like the choice to come together and come apart has been so powerful for me. That is like a, a New York City luxury to, to be able to have that. But just like finding it in ways that it's all about like not being afraid to have a conversation of like, I think that's just an example of many things of like, this is what I need or let's try this. And just having that, being able to feel comfortable to articulate that in a relationship. I want to get into what are the authorities in human design? I know there, have we talked about those already? What, do, what does that mean? The authorities in human design are basically each of us are designed to make decisions differently. And so everybody has a different authority and it's basically how each person's designed to make decisions. Some of them are, there's basically the sacral authority, which is a lot of people have, and this is all about their gut response. This is what my partner has. So this is what, how some people are really designed to make decisions in the moment. They know sort of in the moment how some, if something's correct by like how it feels in their gut. It's either like an excited buzz in their stomach or like an uncomfortable nod. It's like their body's moving towards something or away. So like they're designed to listen to that, whether it's like what to eat or like who to spend time with or like what opportunity to take. And for these people specifically, it's really helpful to ask them very specific questions. So instead of being like, where do you want to go? Or what do you want to do? Be like, do you want to go here? Do you want to do this? Do you want to eat this? Basically things that like speak straight to the gut. And then another one, and this is true for me, is the emotional clarity. And so some people aren't designed to make decisions in the moment. They're designed to kind of really give themselves time to feel into things, to sleep on things, to like really like get distance from a decision before they jump into anything. Some people, it's all around their intuition. Intuition tends to be super quiet. It's different than the gut response. It's like a whisper. It's like a feeling of resonating with something or not. It's like tingles. And so these people are designed to kind of like tune into that like instinctual awareness and just honor it, even if they have no idea where it's taking them. There are some people where it's all about their willpower. It's like asking themselves, like, do I actually have the will to do this? Like what's in it for me? Like they're designed to make decisions in like a more selfish way. Mm. For you... This is called the self-projected authority in human design is like for you, it's actually healthiest to kind of surround yourself by people that you really trust and just like allow yourself to talk by allowing yourself to just talk freely. Like your truth will just plop out and often like the tone of your voice will change for you specifically. It's like, you're not designed to like think so much about what you're going to say, but more just like let it come out and like surround yourself by people that aren't trying to like give you advice or figure things out, but like asking you questions and kind of drawing it out of you. Let it out. <laughs> A lot of therapy and a lot of long conversations with friends of like, I don't really want to hear your opinion or get your criticism or get your feedback. I just want to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, which is very annoying for people maybe. But yeah, that particularly read me because decision making is really challenging for me and has been really challenging for me in relationships because I go back and forth and do you think, and I'm not sure. And it's a challenging, it's a challenging one to navigate. And I relate to, you know, about it being emotional because it is also slow for me. Yeah. Do you have any advice? <laughs> it's so funny. I have another client too, who always jokes I was doing it with her team. And she's like, I literally have the most annoying decision-making in the world um, yeah. because everyone just doesn't listen to me talk, but like they just want to create space for her. And so I think for you, it's just making sure that you have the right people around you that yeah. like allow you to just talk. And if you're having a hard time making decisions or if you're in a process, whether it's writing or just being with friends or being with family, just like creating this space where you can kind of freely communicate and like not have to have an answer, you know, and yeah. not spend too much time thinking about what you're going to say at all. Yeah. Well, that makes sense that I host a podcast called Let It Out and I wrote a book about journaling. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about creativity with maybe within terms of human design and what 
maybe in terms of the five energy types, but what has been most helpful for you? We'll start with that from a human design perspective for creativity. And what would you suggest for the different energy types? For me, and I have an aspect of my human design, which is like all about creative expression, but like it's something that I tend to like repress and I don't feel all the permission to do it. So for me, it's always been just about like creating the space to be creative and without recognition, just like being in my process and like honing that craft and like trusting recognition will come at the right time rather than trying to like make myself seen. I think for generators and manifesting generators, like it's all about doing the things that like they enjoy, that like light them up, that energize them, that like activate them. So I think in terms of creativity, like really if they're feeling like a pull towards something or a desire to create something or write something or paint something to just like follow that urge, even if again, they have no idea where it's going to take them. And I think with projectors, it's so helpful for projectors to like find a system and master that system and to just like spend our time like honing that craft. And so I think for me, it's human design, like that's how it's expressed, but it's also just about kind of being in my process and again, not seeking recognition, just like recognizing myself and trusting the recognition will come. And then for manifestors, like it does depend a little bit on their authority to know where to put their energy, but like they're really here to just create and manifest and like have the freedom to do it. And the most important thing is that they're actually just like telling people what they're going to do because for them, it's never about asking for permission, but it's about making a decision and then like letting all the people know who that decision is going to impact and then like moving forward with it. What about rest and self-care for each energy type? Or is that something that's best determined by a different part of the chart. No, that's definitely possible with the type. So I think with generators, like I said, generators and manifesting generators basically wake up each morning with like a a battery and their job is to use that energy in super satisfying ways and then like crash and wake up recharge. So they haven't fully used their energy that day. They might go to bed and feel like incredibly restless. And so I think like for generator kids, it's actually like, instead of being like, you need to go to bed, it's like, you need to let them use all that energy and then like crash you know and so and I find that with a lot of the generators I work with they go to bed and they haven't fully used it so like they need to use up all their energy and like manifesting generators can literally be in bed working until like they just pass out for projectors we need a lot of rest we need a lot of alone time and I think that for us it's healthy to get in bed a couple hours before we want to get to bed and just kind of like unwind and really take our time and similar with manifestors as well and reflectors as well and again I think it's always something to practice is just like whether or not how you feel when you sleep alone versus how you sleep with someone else. What about eating and food and nourishment, that part of self-care? There's an aspect of human design and it's not actually something I focus on that much, which is like how we're really designed to consume food. Because if we're not aligning with our design in other ways, like this part doesn't matter that much. But like in human design, it's all about the conditions under which we eat food. So some people are like designed to like eat food in like sunlight. Other people are designed to like eat food like after the sun sets. Other people are designed to like eat one thing at a time rather than eating a stew. It's like, I'm going to eat the peas and then the carrots and like... (laughs) For me, it's really healthy to like eat when there's like a lot of energy around and it's kind of like a frenetic, excited energy. Other people like when there's like sound that they can pay attention to. So there's like other stuff with that. Mm -hmm. And I think like with projectors being very sensitive, it is like also eating like smaller meals and like that's been helpful for me. Clean food is helpful because we're taking a lot in. And so, but yeah, it really depends. And it depends on like, you know, where people are at. But there's a lot of, again, human design, like it's kind of this like endless fountain of information about ourselves. So it's just like picking out the stuff that will actually be the most helpful. And I think take like with food, I'm always so careful with my history with food and eating disorders, like getting too obsessed with anything is 
challenging or is bad. So I think just taking in what you do like about the strategy and don't worry about like not making the rule or diet or something bad. I think that that's bad for anything, but there have been a couple of things that have been helpful of like, I'm kind of a snacker. I snack all throughout the day and hearing that like, oh, that might be good for my energy type was kind of like, oh, okay. I don't, this is not a, it made me feel, gave me licensing for something I was already doing. And a lot of human design was like that with, with the exception of a couple of things that were like depleting me that were like, I could shift this, this, this isn't working for me Mm -hmm. and knowing when to do that. Mm -hmm. What about navigating transitions and change, you know, as humans, it's really hard in general, but maybe from a human design perspective or just from your perspective and wisdom as a person, what, what would you share about that? Something that's very unique about human design is that it's all about like finding our own authority. So I think for a long time, people have been like looking for authority outside of ourselves, whether it's in like teachers or guides or whatever it is. And like human design is helping people each, like helping each person like tap into their inner authority that basically helps them make decisions that are correct for them. Like every single time from like the partners they're choosing to the food that they're eating. And so I think in terms of navigating change for me, when I'm aligning with my decision-making authority of like waiting for emotional clarity and giving myself time, it's like, once I have the clarity that something's correct for me, like it's actually much easier for me to move into it because like, even if it's so hard, I have to like let go of a person or a thing that really like is so sad to let go of. I still know that like I'm headed in the right direction. And so I think that it's been kind of a relief for me because I, again, it doesn't make the decisions any easier, but like, I just know that I'm choosing the correct thing for me. And again, like for the people that have the gut response or the intuition, it's like, they might not know why they like feel that they need to move somewhere or leave this partner or start things with this partner or leave this job, but they just like know that it feels right. And they're just trusting the process. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so much of human design where it's not about like being like, this is where I'm going to be in 10 years. And I'm going to work towards that. It's more like, I know that I need to be here right now because I feel that this is correct based on my decision-making authority. And like, I'm going to trust that all the things will unfold perfectly from there. Yeah, I I love that. And on this week's episode of of the podcast, I interviewed someone named Marley Grace and she said she doesn't follow right or wrong. She follows correct. And that sense of- I had this feeling I was was struggling with a really big decision recently and I knew correct felt like forward movement. It didn't really feel less scary or less uncomfortable, but sometimes things that are, are new- are jarring. Like they're not even, they're not even bad, but they're different. It unknown uncertainty is jarring, but it still felt like forward movement, Mm -hmm. even though it was hard. And I think that's following correct to me. Totally. And I think it's also, again, it's, we can be so influenced in terms of like the people and around us in terms of how we make decisions. And so I think when we really know what our own authority is and we like know how to tap into it on a consistent level, it's so powerful. Yeah, And I think one other piece I'd add about that is what I mentioned earlier about these open centers, like these areas that were where we really have the potential to be taken off track, like the challenges happen when we start making decisions from those areas. Mm -hmm. And so like when you start to have the awareness of how those are showing up in your design and making sure you're not making decisions from the place of trying to prove yourself or like getting overwhelmed by other people's emotions or feeling other people's stresses, whatever that is, like it can really help. Yeah. Yeah. I have so much that I want to I want to sit down with you and do a session and and kind of figure out areas I want to grow and change and mm-hmm. on just that piece alone with mm-hmm. the what are they called the, the open cent- centers. open centers yeah yeah you are, yeah and you have a lot of openness which is like yeah. an amazing thing because that means that she's incredibly sensitive to her environment but it's like taking in a lot 
and like really learning how to have healthy boundaries to be like, okay, these are their fears and these are mine. These are their emotions and these are mine. These are their stresses. These are mine. Like this is like everybody else's energy I'm picking up on. So just like being aware of that. So you like, again, are not making decisions from this kind of overwhelmed place or like of an emotion that's not actually yours. Yeah. Yeah. I love like you guys are hearing, there's so much to this. And I think when I asked you, you know, what are the three things that you use every day? Like I, I think sitting down with you again, like having this overview is really great. I'm excited to sit down with you and get and be like, okay, these are the three things I'm going to work on like this month. And then, you know, sit down three months later or something and just take what it's like a buffet, you know, you can't gorge on all of it or you won't really get anything from it. It's good to get the information, which you can kind of get from a podcast like this or getting your chart read initially. But then, you know, like with anything, taking maybe three elements from it, applying those before you get more. And it's crazy to put together like a 36 page report. But I think that like, People just honestly love it because it's very overwhelming yeah. at first. And then they'll like keep reading it. And then they'll be like, oh, but like I never read this part before. And like now I'm working on this piece. And so like it just gives them this catalog of information they can always draw from because yeah. like you're always, human design is an experiment. It's mm-hmm. a way to like experiment with different ways of operating and see what works for you. And so I think to have that resource that you can always draw from is so helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I want to get back to talking about human design at the end and have you guys lead the conversation on that. So We're going to ask the questions that I always ask on my podcast, some quick fire questions, take a little intermission to do that. But while we are, feel free to multitask and think of any human design questions that you have. If you know your birth time, you want to like plug it in on the internet and ask a question specific to you. Or if anything came up during this episode, jot it down in in your phone. I won't think that you're texting or feel free. Taking a quick break to tell you about one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to my conversation with Aaron. Listen, I love wearing stretchy pants, and you probably do too. There are so many choices out there, and a lot of them can be really pricey. That's why I'm very excited to partner with a company founded by actress Kate Hudson called Fabletics. They're on a mission to help empower women by making a active lifestyle accessible to everyone. And they do this with their exceptionally low price point. And they're really cute too. They're really great. They're great quality. Honestly, I was a little bit nervous that with the price point being so low that the quality would be terrible or the fit would be bad. But honestly, these pants fit better than any other yoga pant or Pilates pant or long underwear. That's what I've been wearing them as in the cold underneath another pair of pants. And they're so comfortable. They hug you in like all the right places. They're they're great. I really, really enjoy them a lot. They are your one-stop shop for affordable activewear. All of their designs are created in-house. And like I said, I was skeptical with this low price point, but the quality genuinely is great. Amanda and Megan also have a couple of pairs of these pants and love them. They work with me. And I'm actually wearing a pair right now. I love their high-waisted ones. I have this high-waisted green pair that's really great for wearing under like a slouchy pair of jeans or pants. It's great to layer in. And anyway, before I forget, Fabletics is offering you, our listeners, an incredible deal you don't want to miss. You can get two pairs of leggings for only $24. That's a $99 value when you sign up for becoming a VIP. You can just go to fabletics.com slash let it out to take advantage of this deal. That's fabletics.com slash let it out to get your two pairs of leggings for $24. 
Also, you can get free shipping on orders over $49 and international shipping is available. There's absolutely no commitment on your first order. It's it's really great. I, I actually really genuinely love these pants and the workout tops. They're, the people who work there are really nice, actually. I got to talk to them. If you've never tried Fabletics, I highly recommend starting at their collections page so you can get an idea of some of the trending pieces. And they're always adding new styles and new prints every single month. So check it out. Like I said, there's no commitment, but you can get 50% off off of regular pricing if you are part of their VIP program, but you don't even have to do that. Check them all out. All you have to go to is fabletics.com slash let it out to take advantage of this now. That's fabletics.com slash let it out to get two pairs of leggings for $24. And again, be part of the no commitment, no monthly purchase minimum, nothing like that but you can get free shipping if your orders are over $49. So check them out. I think you'll really like them. And thank you, Fabletics, for sponsoring. Okay, these are kind of the questions I ask everyone. So Erin, you, I've told you this before, I've gushed to you, you have the best style and you are, oh, this is actually a human design thing. You are so magnetic and just, we were at a party together recently and I noticed that she was at this party. She was the person who was just kind of, you know, you guys know that person at the party who's so cool and sits in kind of the corner and everyone comes to them and you just want to moth to, to a flame. That was her at this party. And it was so funny. I said this to you because during our session, she was like, as a projector, it's kind of the most cozy place to be is, is to kind of, and you were embodying that. And I like saw it IRL. It was so wonderful. But anyway, that is just a compliment and an aside, but you have this beautiful style and you're so specific with your style and you seem to be someone who's so comfortable in their body and in their skin. Is that something that you developed or how did you do that? It was honestly me just following these weird urges. I wear a lot of white and I started wearing white like years before I started doing Kundalini. I was just like, I want to wear white on my head. I want to wear white on my body. I want to wear like the same outfit every day. And like, I think I just had these very weird desires and I honestly just wear like the most comfortable and the softest clothes that I can find. I just like, like the consistency. And so like, I think that it's been like a very, I've honestly just like listened and like I did, you know, I went to Burning Man many years and like, I haven't gone in a while, but I think like going there, I was just like, felt a lot of permission to just express and like wear whatever I wanted and just like be fine being weird. And so I think that's definitely like allowed me to express in ways that can be a little bit unusual. You've inspired me a lot in a lot of ways. And one of them is I told her before we started recording that I wore my Aaron costume today. <laughs> and at that party, I was like, yeah, so I started wearing a lot more white. And you were like, you just, when you wear a lot of white, you just have to be okay with it getting dirty. You just have to like let go and be okay with that, which has been helpful. No, it's, it's always funny. Cause like I wear a lot of white and I also like spill a lot, you know? So it's like a weird thing. It's just like owning both of those pieces. And I was like, okay. Yeah. What about body image? We always talk about body image on this podcast. What I usually frame it as is, have you always been someone who's comfortable in your body and confident in your body? And how did you get to that place? And then the way I usually frame it is, if you're having a bad body image day or you're not feeling great as yourself, how do you pivot and and return? I would say it's like still a journey for me. You know, I think that like I've gone through a lot of different phases I think in terms of having like a bad day, I guess I just know that like everything will pass. 
So I think when I'm like having a bad day or like feeling I'm like, my work is just like articulating and especially to my partner being like, I just feel yucky today or like, I'm just feeling incredibly fragile and just owning it and like being in a very fragile and emotional place and just feeling all the things. I think like historically, I would have just like tried to be very stoic and like run away from that. But I've learned that like people are going to feel it whether I'm (laughs) expressing it or not. So I might as well just express it. Mm -hmm. And so how I really work through that is I just like sit with it. Because especially in my design, I just know that if I like, I'll be like so sad going to bed and I'll wake up just like on top of the world. So like, I just need to like sit with it and like let it pass. And I think the body image thing is one, it is really like I've always taken care of myself, but it's also like always experimenting. You know, I think there are parts of me where I'm like, I need to work out every day. I need to do this and this, but like, that's not always making me feel better. And so I think I've been like in a constant way of just exploring like what's right for me, even if it doesn't really fit with what I was supposed to do or what I was learning. Yeah. I love what you said of, first of all, the reset. I feel that too of, you know, I could be feeling horrible and low and then I'll sleep and new momentum starts. I I used to listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks and they would always talk about reset or change momentum um, or what was it to get back into alignment. You know, it's doing something that kind of shifts the pattern. Sometimes sleep is the only thing. And then also what you were saying about, I think you said it like, I might as well say it because people are going to feel it. And that is something that is really new for me because I think I can think that I'm a lot better than I am at wearing masks and hiding things, but people can feel my energy and people can feel. So you might as well, a mentor of mine and someone who's done the podcast, Lacey Phillips has this line where she says, what you don't own owns you. So let it out, right? Like that's the concept of all of my work is like, I try to put on a good face, but People can feel that. Also, what I love about human design is that it like helps us understand the nonverbal impact we're having on the people around us. That's why I love working with teams. Some people like for me, if I'm in a bad mood, I walk in and like a team will feel my energy. And so when people like hear that, they're like, oh, I know. It's like, I'm like, work from home that day. Like take your space, like come in when you feel better. And like other people, like their energy, like is super inaccessible. And so they need to like initiate communication for people to actually feel welcome into it. And so I think it's helpful for people to understand like this impact that they're having Yeah, because it's going with them everywhere. Yes. Yes. What's your favorite part of your life right now? Well, my partner and I just moved into a new home. And so I think just creating that home and creating that space is so special. So I think like, and we just were upstate for a couple of days. So coming home to that today, was just like mm. the most exciting. Cozy, Hugie. Hugie is that word I keep like thinking. Is my even saying it right? Does anyone know? Has anyone read that book? Hey, that's the one. <laughs> I just don't know how to say it. The Danish art of coziness. Yeah. Anyway, it's a day for that. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? when I was upstate, everyone was making different meals and a friend made these amazing chai pancakes from, I know, chai chai pancakes. It's from Sahara's, Sahara Rose's cookbook. Previous podcast guest. Yeah. She's the best. And so those were just unbelievable. Wow. Sahara Rose. Another projector. Extraordinaire. Yes. Mm -hmm. Projector. And we'll link to that in the show notes. What's your favorite food? Like last meal food, something you could eat every day? My partner and I generally make this thing for dinner called Bambles, which is just like a weird name for like, just like broccoli and avocado and sweet potato, but it's just like so nourishing and easy. And it's, I just like eating things in bowls. Same. (laughs) Is that a projector thing? I I put everything in a high rim roll. (laughs) Every time we're together and she tells me something that I also do, I'm like, oh, that's a projector thing. And she's (laughs) she's like, no, we just like that color. Okay. What's something that you've been thinking about, pondering, realizing, or learning really recently, like maybe in the last day or week? What's been on your mind? 
I recently read Michelle Obama's Becoming and Mm. I just like sped through it and I loved reading it, but it was also so fun because she's also a generator and Barack is a projector. And so just like honestly observing their dynamic and like knowing that piece before I read it was so fascinating. Oh, that's so cool from the human design perspective. What is something that you're afraid of, but you're doing anyway? How are you challenging yourself? I have tried building companies before and like, it's been really challenging. And so I think there was like a point a couple of years ago where I was like, I just can't do it again. Like it didn't work. I'm good. And so I think stepping into that again and like building a company in a very different way, that's much more aligned with my design has been like so scary and like so rewarding. And so I think that's still like, it's always a challenge because it's so risky, but it's, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Let's go back to waiting for the invitation. What are some tips for how to wait or how to remember to wait? And this is for projectors specifically, which is just, again, we're designed to really wait for an invitation before we engage. And I think that like, it's not designed to be a passive waiting. My work has always been like, how can I make myself available for invitations? Like, how can I share about what I'm doing to like a big audience? Like, how can I just like get myself out there and like trust that the invitations will come? That's been a big piece for me of like just honing my craft and sharing. But also I've just had the experience so many times where like, if I try to like initiate my way into a community or like what I'm saying, it's just like, there's just resistance. And so I think now I'm just like really trusting the process and like sitting back and like allowing things to come to me. And then once I get that clarity, then I can like engage with it. But I also think it's really helpful for me to surround myself by people that know my design, whether it's people that I work with or my partner, they just like can remind me of this when I'm like really off track. Yeah. It's interesting. Every good big thing that's happened in my life has, I've done nothing to feels like I almost don't deserve it. It's come to me and everything I've like pushed and pushed and pushed for hasn't really worked out. (laughs) It's so weird. Very weird. Like every opportunity for me, it's like never been like an application. It's been like people being like, I I meet you and I want you. And it just like never makes any sense. That's always how things work out. Yeah. Yeah. Greatest lesson on romantic relationships. I think, and this has been inspired by human design is that like, we're all radically different. Human design is about uniqueness. It's the fact that we're not all the same and it's about learning how to honor that. And so in romantic relationships, it's about like learning how different we are and like finding ways to respect and support those differences rather than like expect each other to be anything different than what we are. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to? I'm just seeing such a resonance with people in human design. And I think that it's just back when I started, like no one had heard of it. And now like four years later, it's really like hitting a nerve in people. And I'm just really excited to like watch that get bigger and bigger and start to reach people that like would never think of exploring a system like this. Yeah. Human design we've talked about is, has a level of spirituality and and mysticism. Where are you personally with spirituality, God? What do you think happens when we die? You know, I used to, I've always had a quote on my Facebook, which is just like, only for a moment we are this. And Mm -hmm. so I think for me, it's, I don't know where it all goes or what it becomes. I know there's been a lot before I came here and I know that there will be stuff after, but like, I'm just focused on like doing my great work this time around and growing as much as I can every day. Oh, I love that. What about with travel? You've traveled a lot. You were mentioning earlier Do you have a favorite place that you've traveled to somewhere that you really want to travel and travel tips as a projector, as a person? (laughs) Yeah, I think that I have a very special place in my heart for Bali and which is where I met our mutual friend, Ezzy. And like that is just such a nourishing and challenging place for me. I've always wanted to go to Morocco and I have a wedding there in May. So I'm going soon. Um, Invitation to go where you want. I know. I was like, easy. 
in terms of travel tips, it was so funny. My partner and I went to Berlin and London a couple months ago and we're like, we'll just like, there was an option to like have a layover. And I don't even remember where it was basically for eight hours. And like, as a projector, like I had just flown 10 hours, then we were going to like go explore city for eight hours and then fly again. And I was such a mess. I think I just like needed a lot more rest and a lot more alone time. And so I think for me, just really finding time in travel, like to get somewhere and not like hit the ground running, just get a massage, shower, just like chill for a little bit and like spend some alone time before I do more output. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What's a piece of advice that has stuck with you or helped you? There have been times when I've gotten lost in the like comparing myself or like doubting myself or the self-worth piece. And I think just like always having the reminder that all I can do is just like hone myself and like hone my craft and just like trust the flow of things. And so I think just whenever I get too focused on influences outside myself, just like always choosing to come back. Mm. We usually talk about routines a little bit on the show. So your morning and evening routines. So maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning and the last three things you do to wind down and relax at the end of the day. My days right now are a little bit more full than I would like them to be in the future. So I wake up very early, but I generally will do a Kundalini practice when I wake up. I drink my celery juice um, and I generally go to yoga and then that will like set the foundation for the day. And I think at night it's like really unwinding. So it's really just like laying in bed. I always like to read before I go to bed, taking a bath when I can and just like having a lot of slow time. I think when I get really activated before bed, it can be challenging. So I think just like separating myself from all technology and just being with myself. What are you reading right now or next on your list? I read a lot of human design before I go to bed and there's an amazing resource text, which is the definitive guide to human design. I hadn't read it again in years and I just like decided to read it again recently. So I read that and that's been amazing. Um, I've also been reading the medical medium, the liver book, and then becoming. Favorite and least favorite part of living in New York? Or maybe favorite New York moment, if you can think of one. I just like love the energy and the momentum of New York. I'll leave and it feels like things are slow and I'll come back and it's just like everything is possible. But I think for me, living in New York is also about leaving New York. I love being in New York and then I love leaving New York and then I love coming back to New York. I think the hardest part of me being in New York is like when I haven't left for a while and like the energy's there, but I'm so drained by it versus like when I'm there and I feel like I can really leverage it and be inspired by it and like grow with it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that too. Okay. This is really just a way to recommend things. So you're trapped on a deserted island and you can bring with you one book, one movie, one TV show, and one podcast if you want to recommend a podcast. So these can be all-time favorites or just things that come to your mind right now. What do you want to recommend to people and shout out? I don't really watch much TV, but over the holiday, we watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, so good, right? Oh my God, it was amazing. So cozy. <laughs> so cozy. So I definitely recommend that. It's like a ridiculous and weirdly addictive show. I love to pitch my partner's podcast because yeah. I, again, I listen to like human design all the time when I'm walking. So I don't actually listen to as many podcasts as I'd like, but he has a podcast called Touchpoint, which is all about like the town hall about love and sex and partnership that he hosts for a hundred people every month. Cool. And so like, you know, I've been to probably 25 of them and learned something new every time. So if you're curious to explore that, highly recommend. Yeah, I am. What about favorite movie, movie that you love or recently watched? I don't watch a lot of movies, but I was thinking about this earlier. I loved Coyote Ugly when I was young. Oh, I was wow. obsessed. Yeah. So I watched that many times when I was young. I haven't watched it for many years, but it was so good. Did you guys know that it's based off of an Elizabeth Gilbert article that she wrote for GQ? No way. Yeah. And I, I love, love Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. 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 And I live, don't stalk me, but right around the corner from the bar. <laughs> or stalk me. I mean, honestly, let's be friends. <laughs> what am I saying? 
music? What do you what do you listen to? Do you listen to music a lot? Anyone you want to recommend? I honestly, I again, I'm like I really when I have things in my ears, I'm always listening to Human Design. Yeah. Um, but I think my we were just away this weekend, and my partner also plays music, and so his music is definitely my favorite. It's not really available for public consumption yet, but it will oh, be soon. Cool. Stay tuned. Exclusive. <laughs> okay, I have two more questions that we always wrap with. But first, let's take some questions from you guys. Does anyone have? Yeah, Raisa. Okay. I've been dying to ask someone, a human design expert, this. I'm a projector with a splenic authority and I can tell when it, like when I get a hit, but it's always about big decisions. So around big decisions, I sort of have things covered, but sometimes I'm like, I'm literally like, what should I wear today? What should I eat today? And I get stressed out. I'm like, oh, should I like do what's healthier? Should I like do what I want? I don't know. The indecisiveness can be across all of our designs. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you hear those like hits when you are with those small decisions at all? Or do you Not feel like it's exclusive really. to the big ones? It's basically like I've had them a lot around romantic relationships where it's like at a random moment, yeah. I'll have literally everything will go black and I'll just like, no, this is not your person or you should do this or whatever, whatever my intuition is trying to tell me. And it's usually very directive, but it's like so dramatic. It's like the whole room will go black. Like I'll just know that for a second and then I'll be like thrown back into the moment. But otherwise I feel sort of. Yeah. You want more insight. Yeah. I think that like the intuition tends to be the quietest one. It sounds like it really speaks to you in those big moments. Um, But often like it will take people like really quieting down to actually hear it. Mm. where it's like especially with the smaller ones so like whether it's like meditation or being in your body but just like paying attention like because your intuition is literally always speaking to you it's like going to be in those big moments but like there's always these whispers and just like feelings towards something so like I guess I would recommend just like getting as quiet as you can and paying attention and again like as you might have learned like those instinctive those alerts like they often only come once so the work is like to be courageous enough to listen once they do come yeah no it's scary yeah (laughs) but good yeah thank you of course while we pass the mic question on feeling feelings. So emotions come for me and when they're extreme, I can feel them, but this is something I, I often ask on the podcast because I tend to be someone who thinks my feelings and needs help letting it out, which that's the name. How do you feel your feelings? And is there any human design perspective on that? So it would be different for you and me. I think for people that have an open emotional center like Katie, you are so sensitive to the emotions of others. So I think what can be challenging is it can be hard sometimes to know what's yours and what's not. So it can be very healthy for you to literally like if you're feeling like very overwhelmed or you're feeling like hot or touchy in conversation with somebody or with a friend, literally removing yourself and like going for a walk and just being on your own is a way to just like literally come back to where you're at because often like it's a little bit more neutral and you can be like, oh, this is something else I'm taking on. I think in general, like honestly, talking things out and writing is such a powerful medium for you. And it sounds like it's clearly something you've already discovered and invested a lot of time in. I think doing that and spending a lot of time, like sort of being alone and just like allowing the things to come up is powerful. And again, just like really developing the wisdom to know like, oh, this is, I'm taking on someone else's thing right now. And I'm like trying to work through their emotional drama or like, this is my own thing that I'm exploring. For me, it's just, I need to just sit with it because like the emotions come in waves. There are times where I'm like, everything feels great. And there are times where all of a sudden I'm like really low and I'm like, I don't know why I am, you know? And so like in moments like that, I really just have to like sit and pay attention. And I think I used to just like repress it and be like, I'm good. I can like appear very calm, but my partners are and friends are intuitive enough to know when... (laughs) 
something's going on. And so like, I really just need to be patient with it and just like pay attention and like listen and not make myself wrong for feeling any of the things and also not try to explain it. I think where I like find challenges when I try to explain things in the moment, similar to you, like you're not designed to like communicate from like a very like heated or like overwhelmed place. And so if you're ever feeling that, just again, removing yourself and knowing that like, emotionally you're designed to like speak from a very cool and calm and collected place and so just like checking yourself if it's any if it's far away from that hi first of all i've never met anyone else who loves white as much as me so i'm really excited that there's and i always get questions from my friends of how i keep it clean i'm like i don't i just always wash my clothes anyway so i looked at my chart before this and it said that i was a reflector which so cool because i didn't even know that was such a rare thing and that i am one and second of all it said i had no authority so i'm just wondering what that means (laughs) that's a bad thing or not a bad thing. Okay. Basically for reflectors, reflectors identities can be very malleable where you might feel different around different people. Like you might over the course of a month, like you might feel like a projector one day or a manifesting generator another day or manifestor another day. And like, you just have this like often very wild experience of life. And so the no authority piece is that in terms of making decisions, like one of the most important pieces for you is that you're in environments that feel correct to you. So like if you're in environments that feel off, you end up taking a lot of influences that feel off and it's just like, it's hard to be in your flow. But like if you're in places, whether it's like here or a restaurant or your home that feels correct, that allows you to sort of take in influences that are healthier for you. And you're really not designed to make decisions quickly. For you, you're designed to be invited and initiated into things and then to actually give yourself like a month to like feel into it. I know which sounds like annoying, but like you need to kind of like feel all the different potential experiences of that decision. And then all of a sudden like a deep and sudden knowing will come. And like, that's when you trust it. And so does that resonate with you? Yeah. I do the opposite. I make decisions within 30 seconds. Which is common. It feels like I need to, like, that's a lesson that I need to be learning. So Totally. And it's for the big ones, you know, but again, it's just your experience of life is changing so much every day. So just like giving yourself time to really feel into it is helpful. Just if you're around people or partners or colleagues that are trying to hurry you, that can be really challenging. So just like asking for that space to kind of be in your process. Makes sense. Thanks. Yeah. Hi. Hi. First of all, I want to say thank you. I just moved to New York and this is like my first magical experience Uh out of everything. And thank you, Natalie, for inviting me. I think I'm a projector. This is kind of weird, but I don't know when I was born, like between three and 4 a.m., August 14th. So I don't know. I might be like not a projector. Did you check? I did, but like I just put in a time between three and four. So does that matter? Is it like an increment? I think like if what I would do is I would look at 3 a.m. and I would look at 4 a.m. and just see how much it changes. Okay, so if it doesn't change, I'm a projector. Okay, so I have a weird question because I teach communications, but I'm very against like social media and it gives me anxiety and like, I don't know how projectors take it in, but like with seeing so much on Instagram and Facebook and everyone else's lives, how do you live a healthy life? Like without feeling that obvious FOMO that we all feel, but like you almost feel like you're so offline, even when it comes to dating, like I'm against the apps, no offense, but like, that's just against my nature. So how would you recommend someone in this day and age to like, I don't know, live differently than other people when it comes to social media? Yeah. We're all going to have different relationships with social media based on like our design. And it's actually based on like other aspects of our design, not just the type. But I think that human design more than anything is, is like permission to be different, especially as a projector, like you're different than most people. And so I think like allowing yourself to just like do what feels correct to you, even if it like makes zero sense to the people around you is really powerful. And like in general, like you're not designed to go out and like initiate all the things and make yourself seen, but really just like sit there and like hone your craft and do the thing and like trust that the invitations will come. 
again, it's more specific to other elements of your design, but like, it feels like you're so clear that like, that's what you want to do. And so does it feel like you're clear? Know, it feels kind of like a, from a, pl- not from a place of like clarity, but rather Got a place it. of like, I don't feel comfortable showing myself off. So mm. I don't know. It's like from that place, but I was just wondering about like th- those boundaries. Like how do you stop it from making you overwhelmed or feel like you're not living right? Cause you're seeing so much and like other people's lives today are so exposed to you. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing for me is that I'm also not very comfortable selling myself and I am very active on social media, but it's really just like, I'm trying to be like the most authentic mm-hmm. as possible and just like trusting that the right people will come and the rest will like go away. I also get overwhelmed, but like when that happens, I really just step away because like that's when that open ego comes in. I start comparing myself. I'm like not doing enough. I'm not keeping up. And so I think just like knowing that I'm a projector, knowing that I have limited energy, knowing that like when I inundate myself with all these things, like I don't feel very good. So just like having the awareness and the boundaries to be like, okay, I'm going to like pause and like come back to it because I can also be incredibly inspired by it. And so just like finding the balance because for me, removing myself isn't really the answer, but it's just like finding a moderate relationship with it. Yeah. Hope that was helpful. Can you explain more please about the profile when it comes to the conscious and non-conscious and how those exactly are set. Yeah, totally. So the profile is another aspect of human design. There are 12 different profiles and the profiles are like really how we're here to manifest our purpose. When I share them with somebody, when I'm doing a session, like either it like often like really resonates if they feel like they're really on track or like, am I feeling incredibly far away if they're like not living their design? And so like they, do you know what your profile is? One, three just to give you a sense of the difference here. Cause my partner's one, three and I'm six, two. And it's just like, we're just radically different as like one, three is you're really designed to kind of like be an investigator to kind of like understand the details of things and to like really understand how things work and to become like build a very solid foundation that you can stand on as an authority. If your foundation feels insecure, it feels like there's not much there. You're spreading your energy across a lot of things. You might feel a little bit more insecure. And also you have this very like trial and error nature about your life where it's all about like experimenting and like figuring out what works and what doesn't work by just like bumping into it and becoming very sort of like resilient and adaptable in the process. Does that make sense? Completely. But it's so different because you mentioned this a little bit earlier, like one threes, you need to understand like how things work. And like as six twos, I don't actually care how it works. I just know that it works, you know? And so that was like, my partner was like, I need to understand human design. And I'm just like, I work. That's all. I'm good. And so six twos can be a little bit more aloof, you know, and they tend to be like a little bit more, they have this very hermit nature where they're just here kind of like developing their talent. They need to be called out for it. And they also tend to really be role models, but like have this sort of sequence in their life where they're just like also experimenting and then kind of sitting back and they're kind of called out and emerge as a role model later in life. So, yeah, so it's really how we're here to kind of manifest our purpose and it, it depends. There's a lot of different variations based on your design. Thank you. Of course. Hi, thank you so much. So I'm actually looking at my chart right now. What's the incarnation cross? There are many incarnation crosses and that's another aspect where it's again, like your sort of greater purpose in life. The thing is, I don't often introduce it to people early on because like, it's just, again, that's not as relevant if you're not kind of like aligning with your design, but there's an amazing book called the book of destinies and that has all the incarnation crosses and it can be very helpful. And like for me, reading mine is helpful because I'm just like, okay, yes, on track, keep going. And so like, it can definitely be a helpful resource. There's not much information online though. <laughs> okay. So it's kind of like a light, a purpose out exactly. there. Exactly. Okay. It's like, yeah. And it's just like, cool. for me, mine is all about just like communication and honestly, just like saying the same thing over and over again and kind of being a teacher in that. And so like, so for me, it's always been kind of a guiding light and just like a helpful resource to return to. Nice. Thank yeah. you. We touched, a, a couple of people touched on 
dating. And I think there are a couple of questions in here. So dating as a projector, as a manifesting generator, any go-to tips on those? As a projector, like I was really, and this, I don't think is true for all projectors, but I really struggled with like apps and all the things. And so like, I think for projectors, it is really healthy to be invited into things rather than like initiating relationships. And also like really just always asking yourself, like, am I really recognized in this relationship? Recognition is so important for us. And so like, if there's a relationship and you don't feel fully recognized, like that can be a very challenging thing. I think for generators and manifesting generators, the strategy to, around dating is also this like waiting to respond, which basically means like you want to wait until you have this like response to someone. And then like, that's the permission to kind of pursue it. And so like, if you're at a party and you see somebody and you just like get lit up and you get really excited, like that's enough to go talk to them, but like not doing it before that. And like kind of trusting that gut response in terms of knowing who to pursue in terms of the manifestors again, like as manifestors, like often if you don't initiate, like it won't happen for you. And so in relationships, like having to initiate it, which can be super challenging, but like initiating the conversation, initiating the dynamic is really healthy. And like for manifestors, they kind of have to learn how to deal with rejection because that's part of the process. And then for reflectors, it is also similarly, like you really do have to be invited into relationships and kind of initiated in. Do we have any more reflectors in the room just as a... uh... Lucky one. One more question. Yeah, we can, we can do your, let's, we'll get a mic back there and I'll ask my question while we, while we move the Aaron's mic back there. My last question, second to last question is for you, what is your long-term vision for human design and socially and culturally, what kind of impact do you hope that it has? The practical applications of human design, like in my perspective, are just like enormous, whether it's engineering teams based on human design, which is a lot of what I do with teams, or whether it's like how we're actually raising our kids, knowing what their design is, or how we're sort of like working with partners. So like, I would love human design to just like sort of become in the mainstream language of like people really like understanding the people that they're interacting with on a daily basis, because I think it can really change and like create a lot more harmony in relationships my goal with it specifically is literally just to make it as accessible as possible. I think again, like even though it has these very like esoteric beginnings, like my focus is never really on like where it came from, but it's more just like the impact it can have in our everyday life. And so like my work is like, you know, I do a ton of one-on-one sessions and, and they're amazing and I love them. And I'm also like exploring how can we reach like more and more people. And so I think that's the focus right now. And like, again, I think specifically companies are a really amazing outlet for me there because like a lot of people bring me in under the guise of like becoming like more productive and like hitting their bottom line and like working better as a team in doing that they're actually just bringing themselves into alignment and like all the parts of their lives and so I kind of love that like indirect impact that human design is having through that I love all of this and I find that I'm in my life, I'm mostly, I'm a projector. I'm mostly surrounded by generators and manifesting generators, a lot of manifesting generators. And I find it very difficult to explain to, um, especially like New York, go, go, go manifesting generators, what a projector is, that I need sleep, that I like don't work. I'm not like, I'm going to get tired if I work. Like it's just, so I wonder how do you, do you have any tips for sort of explaining it in a way that they're not thinking I'm lazy or not, you know, which is, I'm not like, but I am, but it's just, I sort of know myself, but it's hard because they are used to sort of this, if you're a hard worker, that's, you know, that sort of mindset. Yeah. 
No, it's a great question. There's like a lot of deconditioning there. And it's so funny. I've worked with a lot of teams recently where there are a lot of manifesting generators and they're like, I'm just like building, I'm doing so much. Like, I don't understand why like no one can keep up with me. And I'm just like, not everyone really has the energy you do or the capacity you do. And it's like such a shock to them. They're just like, what? You know? And so I think that like, it's been so interesting in those circumstances for them to um, just become aware that like there are people that actually succeed in very different ways. And so like, you know, as a projector, it's like, I think how it has, oh, you don't have the mic anymore, but I think that I've definitely tried to find ways to communicate that without like making, without asserting myself too much, but just like, you know, educating myself, educating teams, like educating people around you, just so people like have a language to just like understand that like people are really different than them. And like the challenges when they're expecting people to operate like them. And like the biggest shadow that we have as projectors is like being so overzealous because we pick up the energy of all the manifesting generators and then we like amplify it and we like overdo it. And then we like burn ourselves out. And so like, I think honestly, all you can do right now is just like have the awareness within yourself and just like align with it personally. And I think the recognition will come, but it's very hard to ever seek the recognition and also to say things before people are actually ready to hear them. And so like, I would just work on your own alignment and like, they'll see you shining and see you being magnetic and then be like, how is she doing this? Any other questions? Yeah. One last one. This might be a little bit basic, but it's just about how a one-on-one session works just because... Uh, well, if you're curious and like, because there's all this stuff online where you put in your information and you get, you know, it spits out something where it's, it's only like the tip of the iceberg, I'm sure. So how do you, how do you do a session? I do, when I sit down with somebody um, privately, we'll basically just like outline a lot of different aspects of their design. So we'll look at on a very deep level, their type, how they're designed to communicate, make decisions, how they best process information, like the key distractions and areas that can really take them off track the natural strengths they carry, the environment they work best in, their public role, their profile, how they're really here to manifest their purpose. So it's kind of like a deep dive into somebody's design, but it's also like really applying it in your life and like really exploring how that's showing up. And so the idea is to kind of equip people with all the tools they need to just like start experimenting. Um, And then I also... And then if you're based in New York, I do also a bigger workshop called Blueprint. And like, I've also discovered that it's so fun to learn about human design, like with a lot of people, because like, I can speak about what it means to be a generator, but I'm not. And so when we have a generator there and a reflector there and a manifester there, like it's just so rich. And so like, there's, I think also much, there's very deep ways to explore learning about human design, like within within a group context. And the, I can speak personally from a perspective of having had a session with Aaron and it's very interactive. Like you can kind of how we're doing right here, this volley that we get into of the back and forth of asking these specific questions of like, this for me, I get it. Like I can see that, but this is how it manifests in my life. And then getting her advice, like just like you would with a coach or a therapist. I, I think that's really helpful. And the the thing I was trying to think of this word earlier and you said it, distractions, the distraction. Is that, did you make, make coin that term? Yeah, that I've never heard any other human designer design I like that human designer <laughs> human design reader um use that term and that has been the most helpful useful piece of the pie for me is knowing those the distract I want to get into that more that's what I want to do my session second session on is like really going into those because yeah. I think that's most interesting not fun but like interesting but like the and raw was always just like that's honestly the most important piece mm-hmm. and like the distractions are the areas where we can get like the most taken off track, but it's also the areas where we're here to be incredibly wise. And so like you working through them and like learning is like how you can actually like become very wise and share those learnings with others. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited 
but also overwhelmed by the amount of distractions I personally need to work through. Um, okay. Well, this is a delight. I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. I it love was you such too. an honor to talk to you. And thank you all for coming out in the cold. And I want to make sure everyone gets home and can be cozy and how do I say it? The Higgy, Higgy, Higgy. Okay. We'll work on that later. Okay. So is there anything that you wished I would have asked you that you didn't get to talk about that you want to mention? I think the only thing is that again, like human design is incredibly practical. So like, as you go down the rabbit hole, like I would really encourage you to just like experiment with it and like every decision that you're making, because that again is like how you really start to discover the power of it. And like, just like sometimes not getting too lost in all the information and just like finding ways to ground it into how you're actually practicing. Cool. Well, the last question that if you guys listen to the podcast, you know, it's coming. We take a deep breath together. We let it out and I think we'll all do it together. And usually I'm like kind of apprehensive when I, when I ask this question. Oh, and I want to shout out that a pre, I hope that you don't care that I'm putting you on the spot, but a previous podcast, because if you have not listened to my episode with Sahar, she's in the back, raise your hand. <laughs> I'm so sorry. She's a wonderful healing arts practitioner and photographer. And one of my favorite episodes of the podcast from 2018. And it's, it's so cool. She's here. So anyway, I just, locked in on you because I was thinking about you. You've done this exercise before in your cozy apartment. We let it out together. So usually I'm, I think this is strange, but I think in the assemblage, this will fit right in. So close your eyes, sit up straight, inhale, everyone all together. Exhale, let it out. Always feels better after that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, that was my episode with Erin Claire. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed getting to hear questions from people other than me with the audience. I want to do more live podcasts in 2019 in New York City and elsewhere. So if you have a space that you would like me to come and do a live podcast, let me know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll come. I'm, I'm very open this year. Lots of new things coming. But right now, it's time for Likes and Learns, where I tell you, one thing that I liked this week and one thing that I learned this week. One thing that I liked, I got coffee with my friend and former podcast guest, Kayleen Schaefer, who wrote the book I loved so much in 2018, Text Me When You Get Home. It's now out in paperback. We did a giveaway of it last week and has a new afterword. But this week, before getting coffee with her, I read her short story called Fade Out, which is about her going on this trip to find her brother. It's so personal. It's so good. And I think you guys would really like it. It's on Kindle Singles. You can also listen to an Audible format of it. I'll put the link in the show notes. But give it a listen or a read. It's a quick read and it's really heartfelt and talks about family and society and art and creativity and mental health in a really interesting way. And I, I think you guys would like it. What have I been learning this week? The question that would be better is honestly, what haven't I been learning this week? It's been such a week of deep thinking and learning and contemplating, and I'll tell you more about it later, but the biggest thing I'm taking away from all the therapy and conversations with friends has been mindfulness. I think mindfulness is kind of the cure-all, and it's it seems oversimplistic, and I don't even really know exactly what I mean by it, but the more I'm present... And the more I'm not worried about the future, the past, or I'm planning, or I'm caught in an 
indecision cycle, which is, you know, really where my anxiety kind of pools, I feel better. So I'm trying to be more present and more mindful in my conversations while I'm walking, while I'm working, and do one thing at a time. This is not a new thing. I'm sure I've learned this in the past week and even probably told you about it here, but that's where my mind is. And as soon as I learn more about that, I will share. And in the meantime, I'd love it if you could share your relationship to being present and being mindful and not obsessing about planning and the future, because I would love your advice. I loved last week's episode with Marley Grace as well, and I loved your feedback. So thank you for listening to that. So many interesting episodes coming down the pipe, and I'll just keep it at that. Speaking of not planning the future, I'll let you be surprised next week because I'm not really sure what I'm going to be putting out. My episode with Adam Strauss, the comedian I mentioned last week, is going to come up in two weeks because I honestly just really wanted you to hear this episode with Aaron Clare. And Adam has some new shows coming up that I want to be able to tell you about. So I'll you can look forward to that in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, have a great week. If you are not on my email, let it out letter, I would love for you to join that. It's something that I send out monthly right now with links to music and places and things that I enjoy. And I am going to be making that a whole new thing, something that's maybe weekly or shorter. Or it's just going to change shape, and I would love for you to be a part of it. So join that if you're not already. Join the listener Facebook group so you can meet other listeners and we can chat. And I still want to do a book club. So we're going to make that happen in the spring, probably. And if you need help starting a podcast, I have something called Let a Podcast Out. So I'd love to help you there. Give me an email. Let me know. I'll help you. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. This episode is brought to you in part by Cured Nutrition, a holistic supplement company based in Boulder, Colorado. And if you're keen on organic hemp-derived CBD products, you're probably already familiar with them, but they make full-spectrum nibbles and tinctures and treats, and they work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of a psychoactive component. And how many other CBD companies can say that they're making in-house farm-to-table products? And CBD is most commonly incorporated into wellness regimens to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, and reduce the body's stress load. And the CEO of Cured actually was using the full-spectrum raw oil with his puppy to ease the distress that the puppy was having after having some seizures. So it's a household staple for people of all ages and even pets too. I love their cookie dough snack. It tastes so good. I really, really love it. I carry one in my bag all the time. And I even got to meet them when I was in Boulder a couple weeks ago. And the people who make these products are lovely. I really think that maybe it makes the products better when the people are great. I don't know if that's true, but it's just something that a theory I'm developing. Anyway, if you're worried about having to jump through a lot of hoops to get cured nutrition products, don't be. They ship directly to you safely to all 50 states. And you can find my favorite products, the cookie dough I mentioned and the dropper of oil at curednutrition.com. That's curednutrition.com. And use the coupon code LETITOUT for 15% off any order. And as always, I'll include the link to their site in the show notes. And if you try them out, let me know what you think. Again, the coupon code is LETITOUT for 
15% off your order. Thank you, Cured Nutrition.